your heart. Last Wednesday night, uh, the door opened for me to share uh, to the uh, Bible study, and uh, what I what I shared was really what I want, wanted to share this morning, but because I was able to share it Wednesday night, but I, I wanted uh, Ron. I just want to comment on those on those those thoughts that the Lord gave me for you Wednesday night. If you weren't here, if you were here, then it'll just be a a season of reflection. But uh, the title of the Bible study was "Pursuing God's Purposes." For 2017, and obviously they are good purposes. He said, "I have good thoughts towards you, thoughts to give you a good future, a good, a good, a good life." Those ten things, and I will quickly share them. Uh, number one: do the right thing for the right reasons. Do the right thing for the right reasons. Pray God's agenda, not your own. And each one of these are an hour teaching. If you just were to take each one by themselves, uh, relationships will make or break you. Prioritize eternal things, not temporal things. Don't sweat the small stuff. And one author said it's all small stuff. Uh, God's kingdom is paramount. Seek it first. Judge yourself before you judge others. If you need something, ask. If you have something, give it. Stay true to your convictions. Don't wander from the narrow path. Obedience to God is the only sure foundation in life. And I concluded with the thought, plan to make a difference in your life and in the life of others. Our thought this morning or our text this morning, as it has been for the past several weeks, is finding what God loves and love, finding what God hates and hate, finding what God's plan and purpose is for you. And of course, we've given you so many suggestions. Obviously, being part of a local church will help you find God's purpose in your life. Obviously, prayer helps. Hello, uh, reading your Bible once in a while would, would also help. I know that uh, last Wednesday night this church sent, and I believe it's a total of over 100 coats, but uh, we, had, we sent about 20 coats Wednesday night to a ministry in downtown Chattanooga that is giving coats and blankets to the indigent. There are over 100 indigents living there uh, in the streets of Chattanooga. Uh, we've also managed to send about 40 blankets and comforters. That's what this local church did. That's what you did to find God's will for your life. God said if you honor the, the widow, the orphan, and those in prison, that's true religion. And one day we'll stand before God and he will say, you did it to the least of these. You did it to me. Uh, this week we helped with a single mom's electric bill. And this week we helped with a single mom government housing. We helped with her rent. And so that's, that's, that's what you're doing when you're part of a local church, a local body. Uh, this past week, I had an unusual encounter with someone in the parking lot. Uh, usually, if I drive up and someone's here, I'll go over and just check on them, see if they're okay, what what they need, what's going on. And uh, I drove up to a car, and uh, there was a guy in the car and a girl in the car. And I said, uh, hey, you guys okay? I said, yeah, we're great. I said, okay, well, I'll just check on you, make sure that uh, you're okay. They said, no, uh, we're looking for Pokemon. We're looking for Pokemon. I said, excuse me? Pokemon doesn't live here. Pokemon, I've never heard of Pokemon before. Who in the house is not only aware of Pokemon, but has played Pokemon? Who has played? How many are aware of Pokemon? How many, how many actually know the game Pokemon where you go and look for Pokemon? Who, who knows the, who knows the, uh, you know, the, you know, you know how it works and how the, come, come, come here just for a minute, hurry.
for some reason, this is not, kind of explain, just take a moment, explain why you look, what happens when you find, and, and, and kind of how that all, that all works out. Um, well, I experienced it when I worked at the hospital, and people would, even the workers, like, you, it's an app you download on your phone, and you just put your phone up in the camera like you'll be looking at Pastor Rhonda right now if I had a phone, and then a little Pokemon will pop up next to her, and then you throw the ball at it, and then you get points and get to levels, and they just pop up random places, and the more you go to different places, the more you find them and get more points. I don't know anybody that ever made it to the final. I don't know. It's just like you keep getting more and more points. Okay. So it's just mm -hmm. interacting with others in, on, on the computer, Facebook, Twitter, or? I don't think it's so much interacting with others. Like the point I saw of it was just to keep searching for them. Pretty much. That was the kind of, thank you. That was the kind of the word. That was the kind of word that I was looking for. Keep searching for what whatever you're looking for. Uh, $46 billion will be spent this year on Pokemon. And Pokemon is actually short for, anybody? Pocket Monster. It was a game that was created by Nintendo. Uh, it actually was originated in Japan. It has come to America. And, it, yeah, I researched some of these things just so I kind of know what I'm kind of know what I'm talking about. But the, the attitude that, that there are people that are jointly uh, corporately, that they're looking for a little character, and I guess you, you throw the ball at it and you get points, and there's some kind of battle, some kind of war, some kind of thing taking place, and just just the thought of these people driving around all over town, and I, I read there's been some car accidents, there's been some arrests, people were trespassing, and I thought, how how crazy that this world is looking for something really that's not tangible, it's not something you can eat, it's not something you can wear, it's not something that's going to pay the bills, but it becomes ad addicting. And when I think of what Jeremiah said, when you shall go and call unto me and seek me, you'll find me when you search for me with all of your heart. And, uh, you know, I'd like to see 2017 be a year that some way, shape, or form that I pursued God in an area that I've never pursued him before and one day would not just be rewarded with points, but re rewarded with eternity. Most of you know, born and raised in Southern California, and uh, there was a season when uh, you went to Disneyland, there was actually a 12-foot fence all around the 100 acres of Disneyland in California. And when you got in, into Disneyland, you purchased these ticket books. I know I'm going way, way back, and there were A tickets, B tickets. The E ticket got you into Pirates of the Caribbean or the bobsled, the little the little scarier, more fun ride, and the A ticket got you on the carousel, but you had to have tickets to, pl to play at Disneyland. And I remember a couple, a couple of us, we just decided that we were going to climb the fence in Disneyland and not pay the admission price, and we actually got over the 12-foot fence. We got into Disneyland, but we realized we couldn't enjoy anything because we didn't have any tickets. You know, one thing I do not want to do, I do not want to stay, I, do, I don't want to make heaven my home and then stand before God and not have rewards and not have fringe benefits and, and not to hear him say, well done, thy good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. I'll make you ruler over many. How sad 
and how disheartening that would be is to live your whole life and never pursue the purpose and the plan of God. The Bible says that without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. There's that purpose and that's that. And, you know, when you look at faith, the Bible says if you have faith, the grain, a size, the grain of a mustard seed, you can move a mountain. And in my reflection this week, I was just thinking a little bit about faith. And I realized that faith, and this is a very elementary definition, and I hope it helps you because there's a lot of questions about faith. How do you get faith? Uh, what, what do you do with your faith? How do you grow? How to grow your faith? If faith the size of a mustard seed will move a mountain, what will faith the size of an olive do? Probably just about anything that you wanted to do in your life and in that life which is to come. But when I look at faith, I realize that faith, are you ready? Is the dough that makes the cake. It's the dough that makes the loaf of bread. Is that something that God gives you that you're able, it's intangible, but it's something that God gives you to do tangible things in the kingdom. And when I think about when you look through the Bible and you look at all the people that were on a search for God and the purpose of God, I think, first of all, obviously, of Abraham, very successful in the land that he was in. Here's the voice of God. God calls him into a land that he'd never been to before. And you know the beautiful story that is now Israel, and it's blessed by God. It's favored by God. And those that pray for Israel, pray for peace in Israel, the Bible says that blessings come your way. Then I found in the Bible some people that found God and didn't necessarily like what they found and made a decision to go another direction. And that, per that person that comes to my mind is the story of Jonah. Most of you know the story of Jonah. Jonah was a very successful evangelist, uh, saw some great, incredible things in his ministry. God told Jonah to go to Nineveh. Jonah did not want to go to Nineveh. So Jonah got in a boat going the exact opposite of the direction that God wanted him to go in. But how many knows if God calls you to do something, he's going to watch over it and follow through and make things happen so that you're able to do what God has called you to do. Well, Jonah, unfortunately, found himself in a storm and in this storm, somehow he was sleeping and resting. There are those that suggest maybe he had too much wine, but he was in the he was in the, uh, the the hold of the ship asleep. The captain wakes him up and says, "Hey, don't you know that we're about to perish? The more they did, the worse the storm got." So the captain cast lots, whatever that means, whatever he did. But the lot fell on Jonah, and Jonah said, "You're right. I'm the one causing this storm." I'm running from God. I'm not doing what God wants me to do. You need to throw me overboard so that you guys can survive. And what a crazy story. They actually throw Jonah overboard. And the Bible says that God prepared a fish to swallow Jonah. Now, I've seen some big fish. I don't know that I've ever probably Shamu the whale would be big enough to host Jonah in his belly. But can you imagine living in the whale's belly for three days? Can you imagine those digestive juices in that whale's belly and what it probably did to his clothes? Can you imagine that, that liquid in Jonah's belly that probably dyed his hair and his skin green? Can you imagine? And can you imagine that whale burping Jonah up on that Nineveh beach? You're on the beach. You're minding your own business. You're throwing your fish in line. You're just spending some quality time by yourself. And all of a sudden, you see this whale throw up this guy 
His clothes are half digested. His skin is green by the acids of the whale's belly. He's got a great big piece of seaweed right here. He looks at the fisherman and says, repent. Now, what would you do? I would probably repent. And the Bible says they repented that there was a great revival that came to Nineveh, and Nineveh was spared from the wrath of God because it turned its heart towards God. I don't believe that I have to be thrown in the belly of a whale for, to get, for God to get my attention. Are you with me? But sometimes God will allow circumstances and things in our life to go wrong or bad, which turns us to God. I don't think God makes bad things happen, but I think God will allow bad things in our life to happen to work for his good and work for his glory as we begin to pursue and to follow the things of God. Another guy that I was thinking about this morning was Paul, how Paul had a uh, license to kill. He actually was terrorizing the church of Jesus Christ. He was going into homes. Moms and dads were being led to Italy where they were being fed to uh, Rome, rather, they were fed to lions, and they were being used as stakes in Nebuchadnezzar's garden. It was a bad, horrible day. But the Bible says that God came to where Paul was, called Paul's name, and Paul responded to the call of God. And one thing Paul had to deal with, and this is what we've talked about quite a bit, Paul said in Philippians 3 and 13, he said, this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth into those things which are before, I press towards the mark of the prize, the high calling of God through Jesus Christ. So we understand that sometimes for us to go to where God wants us to go and do what God wants us to do, we have to deal with our past. And if we're not careful, our past can beat us up. It can disqualify us. It can frustrate us. Paul said, this is something I've got to do. I've got to deal with the things of the past because I was responsible for the murder of many. Can you imagine the guilt and the condemnation and the pain that was on Paul's heart knowing that he had spent a great part of his life not doing the purpose of God, not doing the will of God, and the results of his, of his actions towards the church. But Paul said, this thing I've got to do, I have got to forget those things that have hurt me and harmed me, and I've got to go and pursue the things that God has for us. And if you're here today and the enemy's trying to beat you up because of your past, your past mis mistakes, let me tell you what, the blood of Jesus has the ability to completely restore, completely clean, completely renew, and give you a brand new opportunity to start all over again. Paul said, you got to run this race. you got to be faithful to the race that God has called you to run. you got to be faithful to the battle that you're a part of. When I was a junior in 1971 in Southern California, my junior and senior year, I ran the mile. That was my, that was my race, and uh, I ran the mile. And I remember in, in running the mile, the first lap you set the pace, the second, third lap you try to keep the pace you set in the first lap. And then on the fourth lap, hopefully – you got something like a second wind, and it gives you the ability not just to finish the race, but maybe to win the race. And we are running a race today. We're pursuing the things of God, the purpose of God, the plan of God. And wouldn't it be really nice if we just got a second wind, and we push harder than we've ever pushed, and we pursued more than we've ever pursued? We look for God in areas that maybe we forgot that God was in. I made a few notes today about where God is not, where you will not find God. You will not find God in a bottle. You'll not find God in a pill. 
You'll not find God in a needle. You won't find God in money or success or status or prestige. But you can find God wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying as a babe in a manger. You can find God as a man that lived a spotless life, died a horrible death, had a glorious resurrection, and there's going to be an awesome return when he's going to come in the clouds of glory. He's going to draw us up to where he's at. And if you've never ridden a horse, the Bible says there's a white horse prepared for you that you will ride this horse to the finish line. You'll make heaven your home. And one day you'll hear him say, well done, thy good and faithful servant. I'm reminded of a story years and years ago that spent the majority of his life on the mission field. And he was a missionary, and he would come to the States every once in a while just to be encouraged, spend some time with family, and then go right back to the mission field. In those days, there were not airplanes, but there were large charter ships that took you from nation to nation. And this missionary headed back to America, to New York City, happened to be on the very boat that Teddy Roosevelt was on. And if you know anything about Teddy Roosevelt, I think about the 40th president of the United States, Teddy Roosevelt was a big game hunter. He would go to Africa several times in his presidency, and he would harvest a big game. And on that particular ship, as the ship pulled into the port, there were thousands that had heard that Teddy Roosevelt was coming back, and there was a band, there were banners, there was a hoopla, Everybody was clapping, cheering, waving. This missionary standing there on the deck had his hands on the rail, and he noticed all the hoopla given towards Teddy. And the missionary said to God, he said, you know, God, I spent my whole life living for you. I spent my whole life serving you. I've been a missionary. I've laid down my life. And, Lord, when I, when I got here, there's a big hoopla for Teddy. But when I got here, when I got home, there was no hoopla for me. And the missionary felt like he heard God say, son, you're not home yet. You're not home yet. So there will come a day, that day of days, when we stand before God and we'll be held accountable for everything we did or did not do in the kingdom. May this be a year that you do things great for the Lord. I'm reminded of another story of, a, of an evangelist that had given, again, the best part of his life to the things of God Things were a little rocky. There were some storms. There were some financial struggles, some things going on in his life. Went to bed one night and had a dream. And dreamed that he was at a game and they were playing baseball. As he looked on the field, he saw on the field Satan's team. Satan was on the field. And God's team was at bat. And the crowd was waiting to see who would lead off. And this real handsome guy went to the plate. The ball was pitched. The devil himself threw it, and this handsome guy hit the ball over the second baseman's head and ran to first. And when he got to first, you could see on the back of his jersey was the word love because love never fails. Love got on base. The second guy that came to the plate had two bats, swinging two bats, warming up, stood up to the plate. First pitch, he hit it over the third baseman's head, and he ran to first base, and love ran to second. And on the back of, of, the, of the jersey of the second batter was the name Faith. Because Faith will always follow love. Here, two bases are, are on. The third batter gets up, swings at the ball, hits it into left field, runs to first base. On the back of his jersey was the word hope. Because love, hope, and faith always operate together. And so this evangelist sitting in the stands realizes that this is a lesson 
that God wants him to learn. And then all of a sudden he realizes he's sitting next to Jesus right there in the stands with him. Jesus is with him and letting him see all this. And so the cleanup batter comes to the plate and this evangelist is waiting for a big, broad-shouldered, muscled player to walk up to the plate. But really it was just a scraggly-looking old man. His clothes didn't fit him right. He was sing- he was he was had a skinny bat, and he stepped up the plate. And the the the, the, the evangelist is thinking, "Why is this little guy the cleanup batter? Bases are loaded. Here's a chance to win the game. Why why this guy?" And so the devil pitches the ball, and this batter hits the ball out of the park over the fence. And as they begin to run around the bases on the back of his jersey was the name, wait for it, grace, grace. Because no matter where you're at in life, no matter who you are, how far you are, what you have or have not accomplished, there's always amazing grace that will always accompany us and bless us and be a part of our life. John Oliver Newton in the 1800s, was a slave trader. If you'll help me with some music, guys. And he owned a fleet of ships that went to the coast of South Africa and stole families and separated families, destroyed families, and brought them to London and sold them for profit. He was a very wealthy slave trader. One afternoon, John Oliver Newton had a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Went to a meeting, gave his heart to God, turned his life over for the Lord, got rid of his slave ships, and began to preach. And one day there in London, England, in the evening, as he was walking towards his house, he passed by a pub, which in London, that's a place where people go to drink beer. And as he walked past that place and began to hear this old, familiar beer-drinking song they were singing as he walked past this pub, all of a sudden, to the tune of that old beer-drinking song, he felt impressed to write and sing these words for the first time. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. Through many dangers, toils, and snares I have already come. Tis grace has brought me safe this far, and grace will lead me on. As every head is bowed, as every eye is closed, just for a moment. If you're here this morning and you maybe have wandered away from the things of God, or the purpose of God, or the plans of God, maybe you're here this morning and things from your past are trying to beat you up, and maybe those things from the past are still present in your life today but you're at a place where you would like to draw closer to the Lord and recommit your heart to the Lord and turn your life over to the Lord if that's your heart this morning is every head is bowed this is you and the Lord and no one else but if that's where you're at just put your hand up and just say God here I am I just want to turn things over and draw a little closer yes is there another yes God sees these hands God sees these hearts and these hands is what today is all about. Come to the house of God, worshiping and praising and singing and listening and responding was all about these two hands that lifted because he came to seek and to save those that were lost. 
Can we, pray, can we pray together? Father, in the name of Jesus, I've lifted my hand and I've acknowledged, first of all, my need for you, my desire and hunger for you to draw closer to you. Secondly, I acknowledge that I have sinned.